Good morning, Epic. How are you guys doing? All right. Hey, I'm Tony Putnam. I'm one of the pastors over at PC3. And uh, Trent asked me to speak to you guys today as we're uh, going through the series of Heart Check. The last time I was here, he asked me to come speak on the topic of sex. So don't worry, not today. We're dealing with the Heart Check thing. And uh, we're talking about the topic of anger. Wow, since none of you have issues with anger, I'm sure that you can just go ahead and dismiss yourself right now. Anybody, let's be honest to start with. You have anger issues or you know somebody who has anger issues? Okay, so right off the bat, we understand we're pretty much talking about everybody. In this series we're in uh, on the heart check, we're talking about the heart, and we're not talking about the physical heart, but I think if we think about our physical hearts, it kind of gets us into the right frame of mind to focusing on our spiritual heart, our, our soul, our, our spirit, who we are on the inside. Uh, a few months ago, I got a call from my parents who were both living, and uh, the, the, the call was, mom is having an issue with her heart, we're taking her in to have all the tests that you have when you have issues with your hearts, the EKG and all the other 15,000 letters that they use to do all those tests, and they put dye in you, and they do all these things. Well, my mother has a problem with anxiety. So when she found out she had a problem with her heart, her heart started just going racing crazy. She's just like totally like tripping out because all this stuff is going on with her heart. Come to find out the issues are not like really life-threatening at this point. It's something that may show up like 20 years later, but her anxiety caused most of the problem. But here's what I did. When I got a call that mom has a problem with her heart, I talked to my wife, I talked to the, to the people I work with, and I said, look, everything is on hold because if there's something wrong with mom, I'm dropping everything and I'm going to be with her. And when we have issues with our heart, our physical heart, that's what we do, isn't it? I mean, I have a good friend. He's about 56 years old and he's on a heart transplant list. He's 56 years old. He retired and he thought this was going to be the life. But now all of a sudden he's got a bad heart. And if he doesn't get a new heart, he's not going to live very long. When something goes wrong with our physical heart, we do whatever we have to do. We spend whatever money we have to spend. If we don't have insurance to cover it, we go into debt. We, go, we take all these medicines that we didn't want to take. We'll do whatever we have to do to deal with our heart. But when it comes to the matters of the heart we're talking about today, the heart like God gives us a new heart like we've been talking about the last few weeks, we're talking about that heart. Do we give the attention to it that we give to our physical hearts? I know tons of people who have wrecked families and relationships, friendships, uh, careers, and all this kind of thing because they didn't tend to their heart. When it matters of the heart are far, far more important than most of what we give our attention to. And Solomon knew this. Thousands of years ago, he wrote in the book of Proverbs in chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If you don't guard your heart, think about that. Guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. If something is so important that it will determine the course of your life, don't you think we ought to pay attention to it? And our hearts need guarding with all diligence, especially when it comes to the topic of anger. Now pay attention to what's going on on the inside because whatever goes on in here is eventually going to come out. And it's more than just monitoring our behavior. It's more than just behavioral modification. Are you dealing with the source? Are you dealing with the root of the problem? That's the problem with a lot of our parenting and our culture today. We force certain behaviors on our children. And we say, you need to be a good kid. You need to be a good Johnny. You need to be a good Susie. And, you know, and we work on the behavior modification part. And we can pretty much control that because we're bigger and we feed them. But when they turn like 11 or 12, if we haven't addressed the issues of the heart, then all that behavior modification just goes out the window. How many of you know what it's like to just like all of a sudden, out of the blue, just anger just comes out of you and you're like, wow, what happened? Just, yeah. We all know what it feels like to just get angry in a moment. But a lot of us also know the feeling of anger that we carry. We're just walking around with anger inside of us, walking through life. And if you aren't like that, if you're not a person who's walking around carrying anger, chances are pretty good that you're sitting by someone who does. You may be even 
rode to church with him in a car this morning, you know, hey, you know, what was the story in your house this morning? Was it all happy and peaceful? I mean, hey, it's Sunday morning and everything goes crazy, right? Look, all of us know what it feels like to be angry in a moment. And we all know people who are angry. The slightest little thing and you're like, boom, like, where did that come from? I mean, I'm typically, I don't consider myself an angry person, but every now and then it's just like, boom, where did that come from? And it disturbs me deeply that just to see that this stuff can come out of me. And sometimes you're in a relationship and you go off on your kids or you go off on your spouse or you go off on your parents. And you know that deep down what they did was annoying and it made you angry, yes. But what they did was like small and minuscule compared to the reaction of anger that came out of you. And if you'll just step back and try to be objective about it, you'll realize that little thing did not cause that big thing. That, that that reaction of anger that came out of me, there's something else going on inside. There's something bigger than that because that thing did not justify that huge reaction. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Okay, that's good. Look, my wife used to have real anger problems, and I got her permission to tell this, so this is okay. Uh, I'm not kidding. She had real anger problems. When we first got married, we moved uh, immediately 500 miles away from either of our parents uh, for me to go to seminary, and she was just an, an angry person. And I remember the first time she really, really, really exploded on me. She, she came home from work, and I don't even remember what the deal was. I have, I have no recollection of what caused it, but what I remember was her yelling and screaming and slamming the door and leaving the apartment and getting in her car and driving off. And I'm standing there. I'm going, I'm, I'm a newlywed. I don't know anybody in this town. And my wife just left. I don't know what just happened. I mean, I have no, what just happened? I have no idea what happened. I know I didn't cause that. She was an angry person. And if I was smart, well, I wasn't too smart, apparently. But if I was smart, I would have seen it coming because her dad was a very angry person. I mean, her dad was a very angry person. He dealt with everything in anger. He tried to control by anger. And she learned that pattern of reacting and responding. And so that's what she did. Now, with God's help and people's help over the course of years, if you know my wife today, you can't believe that she's an angry person. God has totally changed her. And that's where we're going with this message today. On the other end of this, you can change. You don't have to stay angry. You really don't. You can get rid of it. Do you know people, when, when they, 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 they kind of give one of those anger reactions and you say, why are you mad? I'm not mad. Case in point, right? Look, the bottom line is you don't have to carry it. You can get rid of it. I'm not saying it's easy. It's kind of simple, but it's not easy. And it's probably going to take you a long time because if you're carrying anger from way back, it's probably not going to be fixed overnight. You're probably going to have to go back and you're going to have to look at some stuff and realize that it's going to take some time to unpack this and allow God to do some healing in your life. But there is a way to get rid of anger because anger is an issue of the heart. It's a heart issue. And if you will allow God to keep working on that heart, he, he's replaced that stony heart with that, with that soft heart. And if you will allow him to keep massaging that and working on that, you guys, God and you together can, can change this thing. And I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles. This is the chapter you were in last week, I believe. And if, if you have a Bible, if you've got a Bible from here, if you want to go get one, that's cool. They're on the tables behind the section you're sitting in. It's on page 897. And Paul wrote this letter, which we call a book, of Ephesians. And, and when he wrote it, he was writing it from prison. He wasn't writing it from the sands of Cancun, all chilled out, drinking a drink with a little umbrella in it. He was in prison. And he was in prison because he was talking to people and promoting following Jesus. And that's what got him in jail. It wasn't like he really did anything illegal and wrong to us. So, but Paul knew what it was like to be mistreated. Paul also knew what it was like to be angry. He was a very angry person before he started following Jesus. And this gives us hope because Paul talks about anger and there's a way to deal with it. So it's important that we say this before we look at this passage. Anger, getting control of your anger is not about controlling your circumstances. It is because so, so, so many people are like, well, because that happened or because that person did that, that made me angry. 
Anger is not about your circumstances. Because if that were true, the same things would make all of us angry at the same time. And you can be in a room with two different people and one of them gets angry at what happened and the other one doesn't. But this is good news because you can't control your circumstances. But you can deal with your heart. Anger is an issue of the heart. So Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start reading with verse 26. And Paul said, and don't sin by letting anger control you. You're like, great. Just don't, just don't get angry. angry. No, that's not what he says. He doesn't say don't get angry. Look at it. He says, don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger, what? Control you. Yeah, you're, you're going to get angry. Anger is a natural emotion. You're, you're going to get angry. Things are going to happen. The question is, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with when, when that feeling comes up, when, when that anger is there and it's real and there are real reasons for it? What are you going to do with it? He says, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. When I, when I first got married, and it was kind of apropos, and I didn't even realize it at the time, but one of the pastors that was uh, marrying us, we had two pastors that were friends of ours that, that did our wedding together. One of them told us, this, you know, this is great advice going into your marriage. Don't ever go to bed angry. Well, sometimes it was 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. And you know, some of you would never, ever go to bed, right? I mean, because if you don't go to bed until you deal with your anger. And so what Paul is saying here is this. That's great advice, by the way. Try, try that sometime. You'll, you'll work toward resolution when you finally get sleepy enough. But what he's saying is this. Don't take today's anger into tomorrow. Don't take yesterday's anger into today. And don't take anger from one season of your life into another season of your life. Don't let a period of time go by without dealing with your anger. Some of you, you're, you're grown people, you're adults. I'm looking out here in the audience and some of you are like 40, 50, 60, it's pretty easy to tell. And maybe you're still mad at your parents and they might not even be alive and you're still angry with them. I wanna ask you something, who is that hurting now? Think about that. Who is your anger really hurting? At this point, the point is this, carry your anger as short a time as possible. Carry it as short a time as possible. Deal with it as soon as possible. Sometimes you can't deal with something in a 24-hour period of time, but deal with it as soon as you possibly can. And the force of this proverb is really clear. Get rid of your anger as soon as possible. I want to pick back up in Ephesians 26 and 27 together here. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And then verse 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. This is the why. This is the Bible reason, the theological reason. What happens when we get angry is, the Bible says here, it gives a foothold to the devil. It opens a door and allows the devil, the accuser, to come into our hearts and mess up our relationships. He comes in and he messes with us and he comes in and he messes with our relationships. If you've known people who are carrying anger and you're like, man, there's just something like crazy wicked going on in there. Yeah, there's something crazy wicked going on in there. It opens the door and allows the enemy, the devil to come in and mess with us. And anger says this, anger says you owe me. People that are angry if you're angry or if you know somebody that's angry, they're angry because they feel like somebody owes them something. They feel like something was taken from them. You feel like something was taken from you. You were probably hurt. Anger is almost always a reaction to us being hurt. And we're trying to cope and we're trying to defend. And somehow, some way, it comes out in anger. It's, it's like saying this. It's, it's like an open account. And, and, and in order for my account to be settled... You have to pay me back for whatever you took from me. You have to make it right. We have to get even. And until I get even, until I get restitution or whatever it is, until this happens, I'm going to be angry and I'm going to hold on to this anger. Now, look, a lot of you are angry or you know somebody who's angry and you have good reason to be. I mean, things, bad things really did happen to you. 
It, it, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying to minimize the stuff that happened. That's not at all what I'm saying. The stuff that happens to us is real. And, and there's real pain and there's real trauma and there's real heartache. How many of you know who Josh McDowell is? Just I'm curious, raise your hand if you've heard his name. A few of you. When I was a kid, Josh McDowell was like the youth ministry guru. When you would go to a youth conference, he was the guy that would be speaking at a youth conference. He's like a grandpa now. He's old. But I, n- I never knew Josh McDowell's story. He's written all these books on youth ministry. He's spoken to all these conferences. And this guy, he's, he's really well known, in, especially in the, in, in the older generation. And, and Josh had this like crazy, sordid past. And just in recent years, he went with some filmmakers and they kind of redocumented his childhood and his growing up years. And he tells the story about what led him to become such an angry young man. And I want us to watch together just a little couple-minute video clip that sets up this story from Josh. Watch this. hiding in the silo. I felt I had no one to turn to. And I became angry. I became angry at God, if God even existed. And I damned him. I called him every name in the book. And I cursed and damned my father too, because I felt he had abandoned me. father was an alcoholic. He was a town drunk. My mother was so overweight, she was practically an invalid. One of my sisters committed suicide. My other sister joined the army just to get away from home. My oldest brother, Wilmot, he actually sued my parents in a court of law. It wasn't a very happy home. And I can remember so often just feeling alone, like I was just completely alone. Well, Josh, for good reason, felt abandoned. And the way he coped with this was to become angry at his father, and he tried to control his relationship with his dad through anger. And anger for him was just a survival mechanism. It was just a way to cope and a way to deal and if you ever as a kid were an angry kid and you were trying to do this or you're married to somebody is or know, you know somebody who is, here's what happens. The things that we use to cope as kids kind of help us to survive as kids because you don't have great skills as a kid. But when you become older, those things that we held on to to survive actually end up destroying our relationships as teenagers and adults. The things that we use to cope end up hurting the people that we love the most. And the the worst thing I can do to myself is to allow the sun to go down, not just on a 24-hour period of anger, but on a season of anger, in a season in my life. And and, and some of you guys, if you're not careful, you're going to carry it from childhood into your teenage years, from your teenage years into your young adult years, from your young adult years, if you get married into a marriage relationship. If you get divorced, then you're going to carry it into your second marriage. And then you're going to pass it on to your kids. Maybe you're like, look, I still feel like my mom owes me the childhood, the happy childhood she didn't give me because she would not deal with her depression. And it just makes me angry that my mom wouldn't deal with her depression. Some of you, it's like, you know what? I'm still mad at my dad. If I'm honest, I'm mad because he left my mom for that other woman. And you know what? He ruined my opportunity to have a unified home. And I'm still mad at my dad about it. And you don't have to be older 
for stuff like that to affect you in a deep way. You, you, just might, you might be a senior in high school, and you've been mad at some girl since the sixth grade, and you don't even remember why, but you're going to walk across that stage, and you're going to get a diploma, and you're going to be mad at somebody. You're carrying anger. You're carrying anger, and if you don't deal with that anger, then it's just going to carry on into your next stage of life. When we carry anger over time from season to season, season to season, when we let the sun go down on unresolved anger, we lose sight of the original source of anger. And the further away we get from it, the, the harder it is to see. But what we do is we project it onto our current relationships and situations. We carry anger into another season of life. And what we do is we hurt the people that we love the most. We get angry not because they caused the problem, we get, we get angry because they're the latest and most convenient target. And some of you are in a relationship right now, and you know the person you're in a relationship with is angry, and you know this is not a us problem. You know they came into the relationship this way. They came here that way, which means this. You can never do anything to close that account of anger. You can't close that account of anger because that account is not with you. It's with someone else. I see it in marriages all the time. Look, if you're engaged to an angry person, or if you're thinking about being committed to an angry person, and, and, and you're thinking like, this might be somebody I spend the rest of my life with, I have some advice for you. Run, run, run away, run now. But you say, I'm in love. Look, I don't care if you're in love, run away. I don't care how hot she is. I don't care how rich he is, run away. I do marriage counseling sometimes, not usually. I know Trent does, like if you guys want to get hitched, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll talk to you about that. And one of the things, if this comes up in premarital counseling, if you don't deal with the anger stuff now, it's going to squash the health of your relationship later. What you really should do, if you're in a situation where somebody brought anger into the relationship, you should man up or woman up and get into some counseling and deal with the issues. That's what you really should do. And I have this happen a lot. For some reason, it seems to be the women who come to me and say, my husband is very angry. He has an anger problem. And I'll say, well, why don't you two get into some counseling? I've got a good counselor I'll recommend for you. And I mean, seriously. And she goes, well, if, if I suggest counseling, he's going to get mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? This is what's going to happen, though. You'll do something small and insignificant like, oh, I forgot to wash the dishes or take out the trash or something like that. And all of a sudden, she just spews all over you. And you're like, really? Where did that come from? And depending on your personality, you're either going to fight back or you're going to go try to find a hole to crawl in. And that's going to be the pattern of your relationship. It's either going to be clash, 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 or it's going to be err, run, one or the other. And I hear you laughing. I know you know what I'm talking about, right? So no matter what you do or say, no matter how many times you apologize, you're never going to get resolution because the account is not with you. You're just bumping into wounds from a former relationship. It's like if you ever had a really bad bruise or a really bad cut and somebody just bumped into it, they don't have to hit it hard. It hurts, man. The same is true with anger. If the, if the person that you're close to is angry or if you're angry, people don't have to really hurt you. They just have to bump into those old wounds because it hurts. I was in youth ministry most of my adult life, and a lot of kids are angry. And what's scary to me is the trend is downward. Kids are angry younger now than they ever were before. You know, used to you would see a kid that was 16 or 17 that would be really, really angry, and then it was 15, 13. Now kids are 10, 11 years old, and they're just really, really angry. And I don't blame them. I know why most of them are angry. Most of them are angry because their parents are angry. And most of them are just coping. Most of them are just, just trying to deal with the hand that has dealt them. Now, at some point in your life, I don't care how old you are, you have to take responsibility. And you have to say, you know what? This anger is destroying me. I am not enjoying this. I am going to deal with the anger. I've got to deal with this anger. Because when anger is carried into another season of life and it's not... It's never resolved. If Some people just like the person you're with right now may be making you mad. And you may not have this deep anger relationship that goes way back. But a lot of people do. As a result, what happens though is the people who bring, those of us who bring anger into our current relationships, 
We, we leave the people that we're in relationships with now, we leave them confused. We leave them frustrated. We leave them crushed. So I want to just ask you something simple. Is it worth hurting yourself and the people you care about? Is it worth continuing this? This is why God writes the following command in Ephesians. I think y'all looked at this last week. If you were God and you loved you the way God loves you, then what would you say to you? Well, about this issue of anger, what would you say? That's why, that's why he wants you to close this account. And in Ephesians 4.31, he says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Now, in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, get rid of means get rid of. Okay, that's what it means. It means get rid of it. And I have a great illustration of this. When I first moved to Florida many years ago, the, the house we bought, it was before Palm Coast really, you know, blew up and it, not literally blew up, but it, you know, housing development stuff. So we, we were just on this little street with empty lots all around us and we had a whole lot of trees in our yard. And the first time I go out to mow grass, there's spiders everywhere. And I don't mean little bitty spiders. I mean these ginormous webs going from tree to tree, from house to tree. I mean, there was nowhere I could go without walking through one of these giant spider webs with these big old black and yellow spiders. And somebody said, that's a banana spider. I'm like, because it's big as a banana. I mean, that thing is huge. And I don't know about you, but I don't like spiders. I don't like spiders. Dead spiders are okay, but that's the only kind. I don't care how many of them are cute or whatever. You know, and I don't sit there and go, oh, look at the beautiful markings on the spider. It's a spider. And I know it eats mosquitoes, okay, but I don't care. So I'm mowing the grass, and, and, I, and I, I literally would take a rake before I would mow the grass, and I'd go through the yard, and I'd knock down all the spider webs because there were so many of them. And sometimes I would miss one. And I'd be, be bopping along, and all of a sudden, you know, you know what it's, all of a sudden you're plastered with the spider web. And at that point, the only thing you care about is what? Getting it off of you. That's right. And I don't want to do it with this microphone on because I'll like rip it off my face. But it's like, you know, you're doing whatever you have to do. And, and then five minutes later, you know, is that the spider on my arm? And, you know, you're just, you, get rid of it. And that's the impact that Paul is trying to say here about these self-destructive patterns that are in our lives. Get rid of them. Think about it like that annoying spider on that spider web that's crawling up your arm. Get rid of it. But our problem with bitterness and anger is that oftentimes, if we're not careful, we're more concerned with the cause of our anger than getting rid of it. Now, it's very important, if we're bringing anger from our past, it's very important that we go back to that, because we have to understand the source of that if we're going to deal with it. But the goal of this is not just to go back and figure out what happened. The goal of it, very important, is to get rid of it. The goal is, look, I'm tired. Anger is hurting me. Anger is hurting the people I love Today, the goal is to get rid of it. And you go, well, you know what? That's not fair because that person back there, they did this to me. And this was real. It really happened in real time. And something important was taken from me. It was my innocence. It was my reputation. It was fairness. It was happiness. Whatever was taken from you, it was real. Now, this is something very important that we need to understand. Getting rid of anger is not really about fairness. Getting rid of anger is about bypassing the issue of fairness and saying, you know what, I, I, I am tired of carrying this because think about it. If you go back to when you were nine years old and, to, and when your dad was, was 35 or whatever it was, you, you can never go back to that time again anyway. You can never be nine years old again and your dad 35 in that exact scenario. You, you can never do that again. Never. Holding on to it is only going to keep hurting you. Your priority has to change from wanting fairness and getting revenge to getting rid of this. That has to be your new goal. And in verse 32, the first part of it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. That's what Trent's, the message last week was all about this. Forgiving one another. This is how anger is dealt with. Forgiving, not paying back, not getting even, not making things right, but choosing unilaterally to cancel the debts and close the books on the anger account. 
Tony, if you knew my story, if you understood, yeah, I know it was tough. They, they don't deserve my forgiveness. This is not fair. You know what? You're probably right. But you've got to turn the corner and decide to cancel the debt. You're not hurting them. You're hurting you and the people you love today. Earlier, we showed the video of Josh McDowell talking about why he became an angry person. And he grew up a very angry person. And he was really, really angry at his dad. And he was also really, really angry at God to the point that he was a pronounced atheist, didn't believe in God, and, and couldn't believe how you know, a loving God, so, so to speak, could allow all these things to happen to him. He actually went on a journey of trying to disprove the existence of God and through a crazy set of circumstances, actually came to realize, hey, Jesus is real, the resurrection is real, and he actually put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and allowed God to replace that heart of stone with a, with a heart of flesh. And he became a Christ follower while he was in college. But he was still angry, very angry at his dad. And I want to show you another clip of, uh, of his uh, encounter with his dad after he became a Christ follower. Take a look at this. But it wasn't the evidence that brought me to God. It was his love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. With tender kindness, I've drawn you. That's what God, in his mercy, did for me. There he is now. Josh, this is my uh, girlfriend, Gail. Nice to meet you. I did not want to love my father or forgive him. I wanted to continue to hate him. I believed he had killed my mother and destroyed our family. For years, I had gone to bed at night dreaming up ways to kill him without being caught by the police. And here I was, a new Christian, still determined to hate him. So, <clears throat> Dad? I have something to say to you. Dad, I love you. I don't know who was more in shock, him hearing what I said or me saying the words. That's when I knew it was true. I was used to loving those I loved, but I never had the capacity to love someone I hated. I hated my father, and now I was overcome by love for him. Christianity was real. Some of you have experienced that. And you've experienced God's love invading your world and changing your heart. And there's still people in your life that you're like, I, I, I just, I can't stand you. Some of you are at the place where you need to make a decision. You need to make a decision to allow God to soften your heart toward that person and deal with the issues. Some of you have experienced it, you know, what's, you know what I'm talking about. And, and this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4.32 right here, when he says, forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I mean, that's really the motivation. That, that, that's, how in the world can I forgive them for what they did to me? How, how in the world can God forgive me for what I did to him? In, in a relationship we're almost never like totally innocent. In, in a relationship where something happens, we're almost always at least 1%, 5%, 10% of the problem. But when it comes to God and us, God is 0% of the problem. We do stuff to God all the time. And yet every time God comes to us 100%, totally, and says, I forgive you. I forgive you. Look, Jesus died on the cross for that. I forgive you. It's forgotten. I've already paid for that. And he doesn't hold it over our heads any longer. 
And when you can allow God to come into your heart and allow God to forgive you like that, once you've experienced God's forgiveness, then you can start paying that forgiveness forward to other people and you can start saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to hold that over you anymore. I'm going to choose to forgive you. So what do you do? What do we do? I don't really like steps, like do steps one, two, and three, because life is not in steps one, two, three. Life is just messy. Life just happens. But these are three things that we can work on, okay? The first thing we need to do if we want to get serious about this is we need to identify who we're really angry with. Who are we really mad at? You know, you go, you, you, might, you might think, it's the person that I came to church with. That's who I'm really, really angry with. Or, or, or you know, it, it, it's my son. Or it's my mom. But what I want to challenge you to do is just to really think, if you're a kind of person that's easily angered, chances are very good that the source of your anger is not something that's happening now, but it's something that happens in the, happened in the past. Would you be willing to spend some time to look back into your life and try to figure out what that is? And some of you are like, man, that's just painful stuff. I don't want to go back there. If you want to deal with it, you need to do that. Maybe you don't need to do it by yourself. Maybe you need to get some trusted friends and walk through this together. But then the next thing you need to do is determine what they owe you. What was actually taken from you? To cancel a debt, we need to know what the debt is. If I owe you money and I'm going to pay you back, it kind of matters that I know how much to pay you back, right? The amount matters. The same is true when it comes to this kind of debt. We, we, need to, we need to realize what we feel like was taken from us. Was it our innocence? Was it our happiness? Was it our childhood? Was it our joy? Uh, was it our reputation? What was taken from us? We just need to name that thing, whatever it is. And I would encourage you to make a list. Actually write it down. And, and I don't think for most of us this is going to take an afternoon. I think this is going to take weeks or months until we really realize who really who we're really angry at, and what we really feel like they owe us. And then the last thing, and I think this is a, a very important part of this, we just need to decide to cancel the debt. And I think the bigger deal you make out of this, the more helpful it is. And I've heard people do things like this. They, they would take a list and they would write it down, and then they would burn it, like, like when you pay off a house note or something. That would be cool, right? Pay off a house note. So you, you burn it. Just like you paid off the note. Or I heard a story about one lady who, who took her, uh, her list, she put it in a little box, and she buried it in her backyard, and she put a little cross over it. Say, like, bury that sucker, man. It's gone. And then when she would feel those feelings of anger coming up again, she would look out the window in her backyard, and she would see that little grave where she had buried that thing. And she'd go, I'm done. I buried that right there. I'm going to keep forgiving. Look, the solution... For anger is forgiveness. And we know this. It's just hard. Look, it's debt canceled. Mom, you don't owe me the childhood I wish you had given me. Dad, you don't owe me the undivided home. Friend, you don't owe me the reputation. We need to stay in the habit of not letting the sun go down on our anger. I'm going to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive because I want to keep my heart healthy. And sometimes we'll do things like, you know what I'm doing? I, I just, little passive aggressive stuff, you know, we do. Sometimes anger is not just out there overt. It's like, I'm just going to send the check a week late because I know they need it and I'm going to mess them up financially. And you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm just going to send it on time. Or I'm going to conveniently be late when I'm taking the kids over because I'm going to mess up their schedule. And you're like, you know what? I don't owe them anymore. They don't owe me. We're done. I'm not playing that game anymore. As I have been forgiven by God, so I choose to extend forgiveness to those who hurt me, even to those who hurt me the most. So let me ask you some questions. Is everything okay in your heart? Really? Now don't stop me after the church service and say, I know somebody that needs to hear this message. What about you? Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anybody? I mean, really? Do you have a short fuse and you don't know why? 
Are people asking you, what are you so mad about? Do you find yourself getting annoyed by the slightest little things? Let me ask you some more questions. Would you be willing to do some heavy lifting today? Would you be willing to say, like, today is a day I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to put a stake in the ground and I'm going to start this process today? Are you willing to ask some hard questions? Are you willing to make a list? Do you want to be free? Are you sick and tired of the anger? Do you want to do what Paul said and get rid of it? Isn't it time? Really, isn't it time? And some people say, you know what? This is, this is big, man. This is huge. I just can't go there right now. Look, I understand. But you need to honestly answer this next question. When? When? Get out a calendar and pick a date. Write it down. Because if you don't decide, you're going to take this thing to your grave. You're going to wait until the point that it's too late and the damage is so out of control, your whole life and all your relationships are ruined. And you go, well, I don't have a big anger problem. It doesn't matter. Big anger problems were once little anger problems. Look, I've been living in Palm Coast for 14 years, and I've had plenty of time to observe old people. That's okay. I'm not making fun of old people. One day I'm going to be old people. But for the most part... Old people are either really nice or not. And when people get older, they tend to become more of what they are. And you look around and you go, that's the old lady that I want to be like. That's the old man that I want to be like. I don't want to be like the crotchety old Mr. So-and-so down the street. Do you know why the people that are bitter are so bitter? Do you know where that came from? Don't say New Jersey. They're the ones that never resolved their anger. They didn't forgive. I mean, I've got a lot of elderly neighbors on my street. Most of them are very nice. There's a couple of them that are not. And they've got some hard stories, and they just hold on to stuff. They're just bitter. They don't forgive. And some of you are like 26 years old, and all your friends and family, they can look at you right now, and they're going, you're going to be like the old guy that says, get off my lawn. They know that about you already. Is that the trajectory you want your life to go? Do I want to be free of anger? Am I willing to get rid of it? And I'll tell you what will happen if you decide to do that. You, you today, you can say, okay, this is the first time I've ever done this, but I'm going to drive a stake in the ground, and I'm going to say, today I'm going to decide I'm going to deal with this anger issue. And I don't know where this is going. I, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to deal with it. And so you start identifying the people that you're angry with, and you start asking for forgiveness And then what's going to happen is that's not going to be all magical and everything's going to go away and be solved in one day because something's going to happen. And those feelings are going to come back up. And every time those feelings keep coming back up, you just keep forgiving. You keep going, you know, cancel the debt, cancel the debt, cancel the debt, forgive, forgive, forgive. And then one day out there, and it might be days, it might be weeks, it might be months, it might be years, you're going to realize I'm free. And it's probably not going to be a moment in time you can look at and go, wow, on that day I realized that I had actually forgiven and I actually had victory over this. But you're just going to realize, wow, it's done. Anger no longer has control over me. It's dealt with. Because forgiveness breaks the power of anger. Let's pray. Well, God, I thank you that there is hope. There's all kinds of stories in the Bible about evidence of that. God, it's what you do. You you come into our lives, and because of what Jesus did on the cross, you're able to forgive us and cleanse us and put us in a right relationship with you, which gives us the power and ability to live in right relationships with other people. And God, I know today that there are people here that they, they need to decide. They need to drive a stake in the ground today. They need to start the process. Today is the day they need to start working on the anger. They need to start the process of looking back to figure out who, to figure out what. 
And they need to start practicing forgiveness. And God, as we watch this closing video, I just ask that this would be a time where every one of us will just stop and do business with you and think about what it is that is going on in our hearts. Because God, I know a lot of us, we, we come into a church service like this and if we get really honest with ourselves, we realize that the heart's kind of messy. It's kind of cluttered up in there. And we can't see how in the world you could ever change us. But God, that's not what you see when you look at our hearts. If we have a relationship with you, you look at us as clean and spotless. Lord, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys help me thank Tony for being here today? I'm so appreciative of our great God who makes beautiful things out of the dust. He can take our stony, stubborn, angry hearts and he can transform them into tender, responsive hearts that respond when he whispers to us. Several weeks ago, we actually had at least 11 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the very first time in their lives. And when that happens, you, what the Bible says is we become new people and we get new hearts. And what I encourage people to do after that is to follow that up by being baptized. And just to let you know, we have a baptism coming up next week. So if you are one of those at least 11 people that got a new heart, I encourage you to sign up on our website at theepicchurch.com for a baptism that's coming up next Sunday at 5 p.m. at 16th Street North in Flagler Beach. Or if you have ever in your life given your heart to Jesus Christ and have not followed that up by being baptized, I encourage you to do the same. I've got a few other announcements for you today, and then we'll let you get out of here and have some angry free weeks. Anybody like excited about maybe possibly having one of those? Cool. We'll hang with me for a few more moments. Next two announcements are about giving. One of the things we talk about every week here is this issue of giving, that our big God is a, a great giver. And so he gives us all kinds of stuff, time, talents, resources. And he says, here's what I want you to do with those things. I want you to give them back to me. Give them back to me because it came from me anyway. So when it comes to our finances, God says, here's how I want you to handle your finances. Take a portion of it and give it back to me in recognition that all of it came from me anyway. So as you feel led to respond to God's leadership in that area of your lives, there's two ways you can do that here at Epic. You can go to our website, theepicchurch.com. You can give through one of our giving tabs there. Or at the back of each seating section is a giving box, just a wooden box that you can slip your resources there and worship God through your giving. Now, the next thing is our epic giving tree is coming up. I don't know if you realize or not, but Christmas is right around the corner. Um, I went into Lowe's recently and saw all the Christmas trees already out for sale and went, oh my goodness, like it's not even Thanksgiving yet. What's going on here? We haven't even sell, you know, had like go out for trick or treat or anything. And here we are ready to celebrate Christmas. Well, for us on the planning side of our epic giving tree, we've got a lot to do and it starts now. After Thanksgiving, what you'll see is a Christmas tree over here by our Connection Center. And on that Christmas tree will be some tags that you can go up to and you can read a tag, any number of tags that'll be there, and you can pull one off. And it will have a need on it for someone that needs that specific thing. And then you can go and get that need and then bring that back for that person or that family in need. So here's how this works as a church family. We need you to make some referrals to us of people that you know that might be in financial need this Christmas season. And we as a church family would love to come together and help meet those needs for those families and for those individuals. So you can go onto our website. I'm gonna say that multiple times this morning. Go onto our website, theepicchurch.com. Look under our Involve tab, and there you'll see Epic Giving Tree. Just click on that. It'll tell you the information that you need to know. You can register a family or an individual that you would like to refer for that process. And what we ask is that it be someone that you know, part of our church family, 
or someone that you know within our community and that you agree that you will deliver the gifts to that individual or that family. So those are kind of the parameters that we need for that. And you'll hear more about that in the next few weeks. All right, my next two announcements have to do with our children's ministry and our student ministry. And I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of this wall back here, but if you go out in, in, into the other entrance, there's our epic children's ministry. Between our two services, they have at least 100 uh, children back there. And they've got their own church going on back there, a lot of kids. And then our student ministry called Surge meets on Saturday nights, and they have more students that come to that. We've got a lot of people involved in helping to pull off what happens on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights. We've got an event coming up this next Friday night for our volunteers in our children's ministry and our student ministry. It's uh, on Friday night from 6 to 8.30. Actually, you should have a card close by you. There may not be enough out there, but if you see one of these cards, snag it. There'll be some extra ones around on the seats as well. So next Friday night, uh, we're going to have a volunteer night. And it's an opportunity for those who are currently active in those two ministry areas, as well as anyone who's interested. So if you might be interested in serving in one of those areas, I invite you to come. We have a guest that's going to come be a part of that. It's going to be a fun night. Uh, You're going to hear some vision for why we do what we do in our children's ministry. And we're going to have a special guest that we're bringing in from out of town. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I just got to say you're not going to want to miss it. So... I uh, encourage you to come and check that out. Actually, you can sign up online, again, at theepicchurch.com. We'll have food and child care available. We just need to know if you're bringing kids with you. Now, the next is our student ministry. Surge is having a costume party next Saturday from 6 to 8, I think, is the time frame. So if you would like to participate with that, this is for all middle school, high schoolers. So if you know any middle schoolers or high schoolers, you are a middle schooler or high schooler, I encourage you to check in with them at their Facebook page. You can get more information. If you're not on Facebook and like some information, just come up and talk to me afterwards. I'll get your information, make sure that you get what you need to know. Now, um, before you leave for today, if you're new to us, and would like some more information about who we are as a church, I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center. They've got a little packet of information you can pick up and, and read as you leave today, just to tell you a little bit more about our church family. Now, are you ready for that angry free week? It all depends on you. I wish I could just say, oh, blessings to you, and it's yours. But you choose it. You choose whether you're going to have an angry free week or not by how you navigate your week. So let's pray. And then uh, we'll send you out into the world. So God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for Tony being here today to bring us this message, Lord, of letting go of our anger. It applies to many of us. Many of us either wrestle with it in our own lives or we know someone close to us who wrestles with it in their lives. God, anger creates so much damage in our relationships. It hurts our relationships with each other. It hurts our relationships with you. It hurts us. And so you want us to live angry, free lives. So what I pray as we go throughout this week that we would choose not to be angry, that we would choose to be kind and tenderhearted. Guide us throughout this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great week, everybody.